The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We're going to look at 1 John verse 3, chapter 3, verse 5 real quick. And we're going to be looking at this basic idea of why Jesus came for Christmas. 1 John 3, verse 5. You know that when he appeared in order to take away sins, you know that, that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, um, of something being taken away or being removed as being a gift. Sometimes uh, it's not exactly like the most obvious way in which we get gifts, but um, if you have a toothache, somebody takes away the tooth, taking away the ache. <laughs> You know, if you have cancer and somebody removes the cancer, it's a gift. Maybe if um, you're lonely, somebody comes and hangs out with you, they take away the loneliness, it's a gift, right? Or if you have an incredible amount of debt and somebody pays off the debt, they've removed the debt by being with you and removing the, the record of what you owe. That is in some ways what's going on at Christmas here. Uh, Jesus comes and he is born, but his purpose and why he is born is to take away something. It's to take away um, the ultimate problem that we have, which is sin. Sin, if we want a definition of it, is just the human proclivity proclivity to screw everything up. (laughs) Everything gets screwed up because of sin. (laughs) Even sound systems and our plans and our hopes and dreams, but... Sin is the human tendency to just to ruin everything. And that is what Jesus comes to take away. That's what, we're, what John tells us here. You know that when he appeared, he appeared in order to take away sin. Jesus is removing something. And I think we actually get a picture from the Gospel of John of what Jesus removes and what he comes to do. Right? There's this famous story of Jesus at the well with this woman. Right? He is very hungry and thirsty, and he sits down to have... I get something to drink, and she shows up. Isaac, sit down. <laughs> so, oh, man, it's a family event tonight, isn't it? <laughs> this story, we, ha- we see here, there's a, n- a number of ways in which Jesus comes to remove something from this woman's life, and he does that not only for her, but he does it for us as well. Um, Sin does something to us, and Jesus comes to remove what that sin does to us. We see here in John 4, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For for Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Have you given us, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I might not be, I might not be thirsty or have to come to draw water ever again. You see, uh, Jesus was not talking about her physical, the well right in front of her. This woman had, as you might know from the story, had five husbands and she was on her sixth. And she had gone to many wells to satisfy her desire to be comforted and to find hope and help and happiness in this world. And she had gone to many wells that left her thirsty. And Jesus is talking about a deeper thirst that we all have. See, sin leaves us empty and thirsty, and Jesus removes our thirst. He comes to satisfy us. He comes to remove that quench, that yearning, that anguish in our hearts for something more, right? What she had taken was a relationship and turned it into an idol. Idols are always good things that are bad gods. (laughs) And Jesus came to take away this thirst that we have for idols, things that we think will satisfy us, things that we think will heal us, things that we think will help us and be our deliverance. And Jesus comes to say, that will never satisfy you but instead offers himself. He gives us himself as uh, not only the removal of our thirst, but to satisfy our quenching, yearning hearts because he's the one who created life itself. And not only to create life, but he's happy. So being the happy, life-giving God that he is, when he gives us himself, he gives us almost like uh, a happy water (laughs) that satisfies our hearts so that we no longer thirst, and he removes our thirst for something other than himself. But he does another thing. Sin, sin does something else to this woman that it does to us. Sin leaves us with shame. It goes on, picking up in verse 16, Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You see, Jesus is not just calling her out on what's going on in her life. Uh, it would have been very compromising for Jesus to be st- sitting at a well with this woman. Um, he would have effectively been identified with her. He would have not only identified with her, but it could have been implicated as another one of her uh, ongoing sequence of relationships. Shame is what this woman would have certainly felt, right? She would have felt ashamed, which is why she came in the middle of the day. That's why she's coming to the well at the middle of the day, because you go to the well in the morning when it's not hot. You don't go to the well in the middle of the day. She was ashamed of her life. But Jesus comes and identifies with her. He sits with her, and he sits beside her to take on her shame and to remove it, because he is the great shame reliever, right? He is the one that graciously covers over. Shame is maybe a weird word that we use, but shame is this sense of guilt is, I've done something bad. Shame is, I am bad. And Jesus comes because he is um, a gracious and merciful Savior. He comes and takes away that shame by taking it on himself. And that's what John talks about in First John, right? He takes it on himself, not that he is sinful, but he takes it on himself to remove it from us, right? This exposure 
can be shameful, but Jesus sees and stays with her as he does with us because he knows our sin. He's concerned with removing shame to free her and to free you. Right? He comes to take away our shame so that we can be freed from its bondage and live with God forever. But the third thing this sin does here, picking up in verse 20, sin leaves us with empty worship and Jesus removes our religion. Our fathers worshiped, she goes on to say, on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus answered her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Right? She, she wanted to have some battles about worship, about where it was supposed to be done and in what context and with who. And Jesus says that whole context of um, who's doing worship better, who's doing it right, that whole thing is pushed away. Because it's all a battle to get religion right. right? She wanted to talk about what she could do to make herself better. You worshiped here. We worship there. Which one's better? A way of propping ourselves up. But Jesus comes to get rid of religion. Religion says, I can obey and therefore be accepted. Jesus says, you're accepted, therefore you obey me. Religion says, I obey in order to get God, get good things from God. And Jesus says, you obey to get God. And to get God himself, to delight, to resemble him. Religion says, people will despise me when they see who I am. The gospel says God sees who you are and desires you. That's why Jesus says the Father is seeking these type of people to worship him. Because Jesus comes at Christmas when we celebrate to get rid of the religion that we all want to build our lives around so that we get God himself and a relationship with him. Because our God would remove those things that would keep us from him so that we could be with him. The miracle of removal this is what Christmas is all about, removing what separates us from God, removing what we cannot seem to get out of our own hearts and heads. God comes to remove it, and he does it. Verse John 4 says, And this is the love of God that is made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the miracle. God removes our sin so that we can be with him and live with him. Christmas is all about miracles. And we must choose a miracle to believe in. Christians believe, an Anglican priest has recently, has recently commented, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. You have to choose your miracle. This miracle of Jesus' birth that we celebrate tomorrow is that God comes to take away the stain and the wreck that we all have in our own hearts so that in, our, in, that in the place of our hearts, he can birth a new heart that loves God and enjoys him and enjoys the good things that he's given us so that we can celebrate and enjoy getting good gifts tomorrow without any sense of guilt or shame. 
but more importantly, that we can receive the gift of Jesus and enjoy him without any shame or anything that would separate us from him. When we come to celebrate at Christmas is this gift of removal that God has in Jesus removed our sin from us so that we can celebrate, so that we can enjoy, so that we can be with God forever. He wants us to know him. That's what Christmas is all about. And he wants us to be with him. And that's why he has given us this great gift, 1 John 3, 4, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. He appeared to remove our sins so that we could be with God. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that we get to be with you and that you have removed our sin. Jesus, you were born that we might live with you and live in you. And so I pray that tomorrow as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate your birth, as we celebrate the reality that you were born so that you could die and take away our sins, that we would enjoy your life and fellowship and presence among us. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.